0: Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza.
1: Hi, welcome to another episode of Queer Business Success, and I am so excited to have on the show today, Manuel Schlotauer. Manuel, can you tell us who you are and what you do?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to. Hi, Emmanuel. Um, and very good pronunciation of my name there, Schlotauer. So, Schlotauer is usually the, the big door opener for any conversation. Um, it's a name that comes from the Thuringian forest in Germany. It's like a tiny village, very much sound of music situation there. And you pronounce it like a slow tower, but with a sh. So, Schlotauer. So, I'm <laughs> well, a therapist. So go ahead.
1: Sorry. It was so funny because my last name is Zanzel, and it's, a very, it's spelled very easily, but people butcher it all the time. <laughs> um so I'm used to that but it was so I was talking to Manuel and he said well if you can't we just talked about names beforehand and and he says if you can't say it I'll I'll say it for you and I was like well let me try it and you know Manuel I didn't tell you this but I get anxiety around people's name so saying your name correctly was a huge accomplishment for me very
2: good very very well done
1: (laughs) OK, so you're from Germany and you were talking about this beautiful little I just had a vision of Julie Andrews, you know, twirling it around is, in my head as soon as you said. that.
2: <laughs> it is very much like Julie Andrews running around through the hills. They're all alive with music, but not so much with queerness um, and not so much with LGBT community over there. So just a bit about me. I'm a therapist. I'm a coach and I'm the founder of HeyManuel.com. I offer therapy and coaching services, primarily for the queer and LGBTQ plus community. And Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do is really help people achieve that authenticity, that confidence without those years and years and years of sessions that people might be used to, you know, with other therapists and coaches in the past.
1: Yes, I noticed from your website, I think you, how did you phrase it actually? Can you help me with that? You phrased so, it like it was like speed something. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I you know, I personally call
2: it rapid rapid transformation. Okay. So I say it's like it's very rapid, but it's never rushed. We always take the time that we need, but we want to make sure that you get the results. You don't have
1: to wait for this, you know, forever and ever and ever. So tell me a little bit about your
2: LGBTQ story. Absolutely. So I just mentioned this Julie Andrews um, Sound of Music Little Village in the middle of nowhere in Germany. It's like two three hours from Frankfurt. And growing up there, there wasn't really any role model. I knew from an early age that I felt a bit different. You know, I maybe fancied different people than what mm-hmm. people expected from me. It was a bit more flamboyant, a bit more out there. Um, but there was no role model. There was no neighbor, no uncle, no teacher or TV character really for me to look up to and see like, you know what? You can be happy, you can be successful and it's absolutely okay to be different than the rest. So it took me quite some time and about 13, 14 years ago, I moved away from Germany, mm-hmm. lived in six different countries um, since in the Middle East, now in Ireland, I've been in the Netherlands before and in the UK. And it took me quite some time to really understand who am I? What What do I want? And how the I don't want to swear on here, but how do I share this with my family and with my friends? Mm-hmm. So it took me quite some time. And so, can probably, you define? Yeah. Can
1: you define quite some time for me?
2: So it took uh, twenty five years. So twenty five years, um, which
1: for me um, it felt long. From birth. So you were about 25 years old when you came out. Yeah. 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 You know, later in life is very self-defined. I'm my client. My youngest clients are 25 and my oldest are 75. So I I completely understand that you felt later um, than some of your peers. So you were talking about, so you were, you know, took you a long time. You didn't find role models. You lived all over the place. But did you do that before you came out or it must have been after?
2: (laughs) It's right in between. So really, I think all that moving around and even the pain of living in the Middle East where I could be, I really had to put myself in a box, almost accelerated the process. So at some stage I felt, you know what, I'm very close with my mom, very close with my family overall. And I feel like I I had to tell them. I had to tell them even before I tell friends Mm -hmm. because otherwise it felt like lying to them. So when I say it felt late for me, I didn't even feel late compared to peers because I didn't have any LGBTQ peers. I had no, mm-hmm. you know, no standard, really. But it felt late for my own standard of trying to be honest to my uh, my loved mm-hmm. ones around
0: me. Mm-hmm.
1: OK, so I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Please do. But how can you be able to define who you are? with absolutely no role models or any type of language. You know, I didn't come out till I was 52. So let's talk, you know, that's late too. Um, And I know for my particular journey as a woman, um, we had to to do a a lot of um, religious deconstruction and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that we have to be very um, compassionate with ourselves. Because sometimes it's the, like, when we figure out we're gay, it's, or start to tell the world that we're gay. I mean, a lot of times we figure it out way before we tell the world. (laughs) But once we begin to that coming out process, or I like to refer to it, the letting in process. Absolutely. Yeah. um, Do you have compassion for yourself? Because, you know, if you have no role models, nobody to talk to, how are you supposed to know until you sort of go and experience the world a little bit?
2: Absolutely. And I think compassion is so, so important in this process. Um, I remember studying in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is a very open country, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, even there, even in my generation, I didn't feel courageous enough to share any of that with my friends. But then I saw everyone dating and making out on parties. And I just, no, I was always alone. I, I never dated. I never had anyone. Um, so looking back, there's an immense amount of compassion for my past self. And they go out. It was very tough to go through all of that. Um, And it took a lot of pain and growth to eventually, you know, accept and also understand who am I? And I can really relate with the religious deconstruction there as well that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, did you have to do that as well? Was your family religious?
2: Uh, So Catholic on paper. So, you know, Easter and Christmas and all those traditions, not strict.
1: We call them C&Es in the ministry world. C and East. <laughs> Yeah, Christmas and Easter,
2: <laughs> Christmas and Easter. So Christmas and Easter and traditions, but mm-hmm. it was still very much baked into my upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd say I was quite religious myself. And even when I was a student, I tried to pray it away, you know, mm-hmm. evening and bad. It's like, okay, tomorrow morning, I wake up, everything will be different. Of course, as you can see, that never happened. Um, things were different, but not how I imagined
1: it in the end. Well, thank God it didn't happen because the world wouldn't have your beautiful sp- spirit right now. You know, thank because you so much. we need, we need, we need as much visibility in this community of people doing good work like you're doing. I would love to have you on my other podcast, and we could. I'm gonna like send you the link for that because I think your coming out story is very interesting, and I would love to focus on that. But you're on this podcast to talk about your business, and Mm. I sort of led you down that path, so that was my bad. (laughs) Um, So tell me, who do you who do you work with? Who are your clients? Who do you serve as a? And and a little bit about your background to start growing this business.
2: Mm, Absolutely, I think. That's a good way to start, actually. Where did I come from? Or where did the business come from? Mm -hmm. And where did I end up in the end? Um, I had therapists over the years. I -hmm. had coaches over the years. And I always felt when I worked with therapists, I got all the insights. But then I felt like, okay, now what? What am I going to do with all those insights? And I felt a bit like left alone. I felt side-eyed and judged by many therapists. I felt like I had to explain myself as well. And then with coaches, they really helped me move into action and put a strategy in place but it Mm -hmm. didn't really go deep enough. So I really struggled with that. And I was looking for some place that combined therapy and coaching in a way that I don't have to censor myself and I can just be myself in those sessions. And I realized, hey, Manuel, that doesn't exist. And then heymanuel.com was born, which is a service of therapy and coaching really for the LGBTQ plus community and the queer community to focus on authenticity and confidence, which is always the door open a topic. But then really we talk about finances, career, relationships, intellectual life, health and fitness. You know, there's so many things that we address. Um, So in the end, people usually come with one topic or they come with a whole laundry list of topics. And then we just go on and see, you know, what feels right and what do we want to focus on?
1: So you basically describe yourself as a holistic
2: coach. Yeah, holistic. Know, that's a that's a good term as
1: well. Yeah, you know, like if you you mentioned relationships, money, um, and you know, spirituality, some other things that you address with your clients, and I can't pull them off out of my head at this moment, but you just describe the holistic wheel of right. how you help clients. Um, and so And you combine the best of coaching and therapy because um, unfortunately the therapy world really sort of sucks for the LGBTQ community.
2: Big time, big time.
1: I, you know, they need to, I don't know. They need to, because what is, you know, I think is that a lot of therapists don't address their own homophobia and they think they can be helpful. I found, Um, I had a real hard time with therapists because, you know, I was a married woman with children and they just couldn't. I've, you know, been told it's a phase. I, you know, literally brought it up in marriage counseling with my ex-husband. Like, I think I might be gay. Mm. And um, it was sort of dismissed. I mean, there was a key right there. Yeah. (laughs) So I find that the therapy real world really doesn't do very well. Um, I really love this, this, you know, combining this coaching and therapy because a coach is more like I, I wrote a piece about it. A coach is more like in the here and now. Mm -hmm. and action plans. What do you have to do to be able to be successful? And it sounds like you and I do very, very similar work because I do a lot of work with the emotional side of it Mm -hmm. and using some, you know, as a chaplain for 20 years and worked as a hospice chaplain and everything. So using some of those skills that I used as well. So what, is like, what is your proudest? Now, I'm going to start with the challenges. What is the hardest part for you in this business? What are the challenges?
2: It's a good question. I think a big challenge for me is to get in front of the community. You know, there are many people that face such a big stigma around mental health, around working with a therapist. Um, And it's different. I can feel, you know, I have clients from all over the world, really, and mm-hmm. in each country, you see a different um, a different notion around working with a therapist, working on your mental health, it's stigmatized, it's a bit taboo topic. So it's really the challenge is get people in front of me, get me in front of people, and then um, helping accept that, you know what? Working with someone is actually okay, it's fun. Um, people had so many awful experiences in the past. They're branded by, you know, poor marriage counselors or therapists and yeah. like, "Oh, I'd never want to do that again and they can't even imagine that this kind of work can be fun it can be engaging and it can give you results so I think that's I would say is a it's a big challenge
1: it, I think that's a challenge too, for, you know, getting in front of the queer community. And I also, I really, I, I think that's very interesting because when I work from, with somebody from another country, like I tell them, because I just exclusively work with women and queer women are mm-hmm. people coming out. Um, I always ask them, tell me what it's like to be a queer person in your country, because just how it is in the US may be very different than it is in Ireland and Germany. And my goodness, you're gonna die if you're in Dubai. Um, So, I mean, I think that's a great question. And I also love that question about what was therapy? I might use that, what was therapy? Well, they actually tell me, what was therapy like for you um In your country, how is it perceived? Mm. How I'm curious, just for you personally, how's therapy perceived like in Germany? because that's where you grew up? Sure. And
2: f- for the lack of a better language, in Germany, people think if you go to therapy, you're cuckoo. If you go to um. therapy, there's something wrong with you. It's something that you that needs fixing. Someone you know has to go to an institution. And there's a shift. You can see a shift in the generations to come. Um, where therapy is more seen as going to the dentist, where you go before you have issues, you know, you have mm-hmm. checkups, and you make sure that everything is going well. Um, so there's certainly a shift. But when I grew up, um, I had people with mental health challenges in my family, and nothing was done. Nothing. Like, it was a big taboo topic, and certainly wasn't dealt with in a in a healthy and sustainable way.
1: This is very ironic, since, you know, Freud was the birthplace of From June was the birthplace of like that, that interior. I mean, he, a lot of Freud's techniques are outdated and, 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 but at least it was the beginning of the Mm -hmm. self-reflection process and trying to help people mentally and not if they were a man and not just put them in in an institution. It's very interesting that the, the stigma is still there. And it's, I don't know about you in Germany, um, but in the United States, um, I find that certain um, people who are in like the upper middle class, upper class, all have therapists. It's almost mm-hmm. like a, it's it's like almost like a status symbol mm. um, in in Germany. Is it like that?
2: Absolutely not. It's the opposite. I'd say here in Ireland, it's getting there as well. People have a therapist. You know, it's standard to see a therapist or a coach in Germany. Um, there's also not the right supply of therapists, it's mm-hmm. very hard, very bureaucratic to even be certified as a therapist in Germany. And then there are long, long wait lists. I have one client oh, in goodness. Germany right now and they chose to work with me based in Dublin in Ireland, even though they're based in Germany because waiting for a German therapist in Germany would have been nine months at least to get someone.
1: We have to fix this system, don't we? A-
2: absolutely, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's, a, that's a big piece of work.
1: Yeah. So what is the biggest successes for your business?
2: Sure. The the biggest successes, I think for me, live in every single conversation, right? Mm -hmm. I have conversations about confidence, about body image issues, about sex issues. And every time I see at the end of a session or the end of working with someone, really the transformation that they're going through, I think that for me just brings me so much joy and I thought, and of, of course, there are a few stories here and there that really stand out. And there's one story that makes me immensely proud. It's a lady, and she's very open that she worked with me as well. Her name is Cheryl Rich. Um, and she uh, was in prison for a long time. She was pregnant at the age of 11. And oh she re- re- struggled with coming out understanding, am I straight? Am I gay? Am I somewhere in between? Like, what's happening? And when she was in prison, she had this idea to go to LA and have a show on TV as an all black LGBTQ plus talk show. That was her idea. And we worked together and now her show is going to the third season and they're working together with a team of Jimmy Kimmel. It's called the house. So if you want to check it out, it's on Fox soul. And I'm immensely proud of just seeing the journey of some clients some people, you know, when they put their mind to something and they get the right support, the, Impact they can have for the community is just immense.
1: That is immense. Good for you, Manuel. <laughs> good for, good you for them as well. Oh, good for them, because you know, I find that we're guides and we are cheerleaders um, and we are challengers, but really the person does the work themselves. You know, yeah. And they have to show up. But it sounds like this client. What's her name? Let's promote her
2: business. (laughs) Cheryl Cheryl Rich. And you can find her as Cheryl
1: Helps on Instagram. Very cool. That's really that's a that's a success story and you should be really proud of it. So what would be your one piece of of your piece of advice? for someone who is, you know, starting to go into the coaching business, you know, really based on their personal experiences and also on their professional experiences, because I think you and I share that in common.
2: Absolutely. I I talked to someone earlier today, actually, and that lady worked as a massage therapist, had a corporate role, and now decided to focus really on her own business. So we had this conversation really just a few hours ago um, on a call. And as much as people struggle with finances or they really think you know, about the money element and um, have an impact there, I think it's super important to never stop investing in yourself. Over the years, I think all the investments in myself, they have paid up tenfold and hundredfold. And I think it's very easy and convenient to just stop investing in yourself and just invest in your business, invest in the marketing and all of that. But it's really invest in your own abilities, your knowledge, your skills, your mindset, I think that will do so much good for your business, whether you're in coaching and therapy or really doing any type of self-employed work. I think that's super helpful. And the other piece of advice I always share is to find your community. It can be a bit tricky. And sometimes a community, community could be just one other person. But just find people where you share interests and passions and you're on the same vibration. And it's a lot easier and more fun than doing everything just by yourself.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm just going to say a big amen to everything you said. It really is true. I, I, part of my work is, you know, providing community for people because when you are just coming out, you think you're the only one that's ever been through this
0: Absolutely, and, yeah. and,
1: and finding a place where you can be with people and, um, uh, be with people who are experiencing this same experience. And for my community that I work with, it's people that often have been married, have children, you know, and 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 don't fit their idea of what a queer person looks like. You know, and the thing is, is the queer community is very wide and very diverse. And I think another message we need to get out there is that no, not everybody figures this out at 15. And that's OK. You know, that is absolutely OK. Absolutely.
2: So I always I always say, you know, Dublin, let's say Dublin and you're based in Nashville, right? Mm-hmm. So Dublin and Nashville are two different time zones, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that one city is faster than the other. We're just at different time zones and we're just progressing through the day in our time zones. And I think when we compare ourselves with other people, we think like, oh, they're faster, you know, they're, they're having everything sorted out. They have their family and their house and their car and they came out with this big um, celebration. But at the end, they're just in a different time zone. They just do things mm-hmm. at a different stage and that's completely okay.
1: And and I, you know, I don't believe any, everything happens for a reason. I I'm not of that vein, but I do believe that it is when we, step into our, uh, this, uh, whenever we step into our authenticity, it is the perfect time. Hmm. Because we also have to remember, um, not everybody does that. And hmm. so when you are brave enough to do that, that is an incredible accomplishment, whether, hmm. For us and what Manuel and I are talking about, we're talking about stepping into your authenticity as a queer person. But there's so many different ways to step into your authenticity. And um, and so when you do that, that's an incredible accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So my, advice, my, and my last question to you today is, what kind of advice would you give to a queer person who is... Starting to think about starting their own business and becoming more visible as a, mm. a queer person, <laughs> because that yeah. sometimes that scares. I'm going to swear here. Sometimes that scares the shit out of people.
2: It does. It is. And it was so scary for me as well. You know, oh, I could just go the safe route and keep that part of myself. You know, somewhere in a box under the bed. Actually, if you see the rest of my room, I'm just doing Marie Kondo everywhere, so there's a bit <laughs> of a mess. Um, but. I think the main advice would be to really double down on the authenticity and the visibility. And one exercise that I always do with my clients, and I'd love to give that to your listeners as well, when you ask yourself, how can I be successful even though, and you put in that limitation that you think you have, for instance, even though I'm queer, how can I be successful even though I'm queer? If I say this to myself, I feel limited, I feel maybe sad, maybe if i feel like a person that has to hide something right but if i flip that around and say like, how can i be successful because i'm queer all of a sudden that limitation is more of a superpower within it you know what i'm different than the rest and that's a cool thing you know people love that about me i can add color i can add um, a vibrant energy to this business world that other people can't contribute so it's it's flipping that switch and thinking what do you think is your limitation And flipping that even though to because, and you would see that even the self-talk in your mind, how you're changing that will affect your emotions, it will affect your actions. And of course, how we act is how we become and you will really affect the world around you.
1: That is actually beautiful. Again, beautifully said, Manuel. I really appreciate your perspective and I really appreciate the fact that you uh, flipped the script, script, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being a limit. Actually, I always say coming out late in life was my superpower because I really understand um you know, what it's like to live a straight life for a very long time. I understand what it's like to have children. I and but I also now that I've been out for like seven years, eight years, I also understand what it's like to live a queer life and a gay mm-hmm. life. And so not many people have that experience. And so I can instead of a like like a limitation, that's my superpower. Absolutely. You know, that's my superpower. So what I before we get up, what's your superpower?
2: What's my superpower? Um I'd say I allow myself to have fun in our sessions. You know, whether we talk about depression, anxiety, trauma, really heavy topics, I think this work only works and works long term and lasts long term if you have fun and if it's engaging. I think that's my superpower to bring fun and just a light-hearted and rapid approach to therapy and coaching that I haven't seen before when working on myself. Um, and I'd love to bring that to the sessions with my clients.
1: Find your joy.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you yeah. are the chief, uh, joyologist, right? Uh, yes,
1: I, yeah, you know, during my coming out, so I met my wife, um, like right when I was coming out and I was just in the process of divorcing my husband and it was very hard. And I was going through a lot of grief at that time. And one of the things she said to me you know, in, in, in an attempt to care for me, she would always say to me, you've got to move towards your joy. You've got to move towards your joy. And um, like at the time I would look at her and I'm like, what the, and I want to move towards my joy right now. Mm.
2: If it wasn't that easy, right?
1: It's not that easy. And, um and, and I also know that anytime we take a leap, anytime we have a big change in our life. There is this valley that we all must go through no matter what it is to be able to make the leap and to make the change. Mm -hmm. And, um, but now that I've done that and my life isn't perfect all the time, you know, I'm not like running around being very joy, (laughs) but I'm, I'm happy, you know? And so Mm -hmm. finding my joy, which was, which was finally, um, What is the word I use? Finally, uh, accepting my queerness was the best thing I've ever done, and my hardest thing I've ever done. But if you
2: allow me, what I can see, you're not just accepting it; you're really celebrating it, and you're sharing it with the world. And I think that's the beautiful
1: thing. Yes, and I and I agree. I agree that all like you are. We're we're doing sort of the same thing. (laughs) So I really love that, Manuel. How do people find you if they want to say, "Gosh, I got to talk to this." to this guy.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very easy. So uh, when I found the business, I was like, hey, Manuel, that doesn't exist. So it's heymanuel.com. So that's H-E-Y-M-A-N-U-E-L. So not like a manual, not like a booklet, but like Manuel, that way that brings you the sangria. That's me. <laughs> Heymanuel.com.
1: Thank you so much. And we'll have all the information in the show notes. So if you're looking to find Manuel, Um, You will find all the information there. Thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed this conversation. Such a treat.
0: You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA plus businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.